0: Please and uh, turn tonight. Uh, I want you to turn to Proverbs thirteen. We'll we'll turn to a few different places, um, but we'll start in Proverbs chapter thirteen. And uh, now this this title, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever. Uh, I've, preacher asked me specifically to to teach on this we were talking and um, praying over a matter and and I shared with him a story and I'll share that story with you tonight Um, but he asked me he said uh, duck I want you to I want you to teach that I want you to preach that thought and um, so but it's been a kind of a uh, a tough a tough one for me um but here's the title, okay? Influence Peddling 101. has nothing to do with uh, any current events of the day, okay? <laughs> um, but Influence Peddling 101. And uh, look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20. The Bible says, He that walketh, I'll wait for you get there, Proverbs 13, look at verse number 20. And uh, look at it with me. Let's pray first, and then we'll just jump in. I don't want to stop midstream, so let's just pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the privilege of serving you. Thank you, Lord, for the great privilege of being part of this church and with our preacher. Lord, thank you so much for the years that he's given to your work here. And, Lord, I pray that you would bless him, and, Lord, fill him with your spirit tonight as he preaches there in First Baptist Church. I pray that you strengthen him. Him home safely. Lord, but would you speak to us tonight here? And give us exactly what uh, we need. Lord, let me not say anything that would hurt. Let me not say anything that would take away from the truth of the of your word. And Lord, I pray that I could be a help to somebody. In Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs 13, look at verse number 20. The Bible says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Uh, so, here's a the Bible makes reference here of an individual, and that individual seeks to be around wise men, and the Bible encourages that. And oftentimes, through the Book of Proverbs, you'll see this. Uh, but specifically here, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. In other words, if you uh, if you want to be influenced. Uh, then pick wise people to influence you. If you, want to, um, if you want to learn, grow, then be around people that are learning and growing. Be around wise people. Be around uh, smart, be around godly people. Uh, be around... Uh, you, how many times have you heard uh, you, you'll, you are now or you soon will be what you hang around, Okay. Uh, it's kind of, a, you've all told your kids things like that, um, that you become who you hang around. You've got to be careful about that. you got to be careful about what you hang around. And here, in the next phrase here, says, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And so uh, here's, here's a young man that, that was around wise men, and he's going to be increased or be benefited from it. And then there's those that are around foolish people, and they receive the the uh, rewards of being around foolish people, destruction, uh, hurt, heartache. And so uh, let let me give you just a couple of thoughts about this influence, okay? First of all, these, and and I've preached to our teenagers this, and maybe even here on a Wednesday night years ago about influence. And, And so some of this is kind of a relapse of that. You teenagers might recognize it, but everybody Everyone has someone that influences them. Nobody is free of influence. Okay? Can, can you, you can agree with that, I'm sure. Everybody has someone that influences them. And I don't mean in the past, although that's true. I'm talking about right now. Do you, uh, okay? You're here tonight. You're here tonight. And tonight, you're giving me an opportunity to influence you, and I thank you for that. I don't take that lightly. Uh, but you, everybody, has somebody that influences them. Now, there's some tonight that say he's not going to influence me. And uh, <laughs> uh, but, all right, so uh, here's another thought: the power of your influence. So, so uh, not not only does everybody have somebody that influences them, but everybody has somebody that they influence. So everybody in this room, without fail, everybody in this room has somebody that is watching them. And you are influencing somebody down to the littlest one. Somebody is watching even the little ones and being influenced by them. Uh, The power of your influence is determined by the outcome. This is a long statement, so stay with me, okay? The power of your influence is determined by the outcome of your influence on other people. All right? So let me explain what I mean. Uh, Did good things happen as a result of how you influenced somebody else? So in other words, did you recommend, uh, you know, a restaurant to somebody and... They, it, they liked it, and they came back and they told somebody else, hey, S- Brother Hamlet told me about this restaurant. you got to go try it. Okay, my influence just expanded. Right? Make sense? So uh, did good things happen as a result of what you influenced somebody else to do? Uh, you know, w- w- was what you encouraged somebody else to do enjoyable to them? Did it have a good outcome? Uh, did it taste good? Did it, was the experience pleasant for them? All right, well, then your experience, your influence kind of, it, it expanded. Why? Because of word of mouth. People started saying, hey, Brother Hamilton, uh, he told me about this restaurant and, and you got to go try it. All right. Uh, so you have, uh, here's, here's some other thoughts. Uh, you have influence. Everybody has influence whether you want it or not. You say, "Well, I don't want anybody to, 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 to look at me and, and be influenced by me or what I do. I'm, I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not good to watch. Don't don't learn from me. I'm, I'm sorry. You don't have a choice. Okay. Somebody is learning from you. Somebody is watching you. Uh, you have influence whether you think you should or not. You have influence whether you're ready or not. You have influence whether you like it or not. We all are looking not only." Uh, we, we, we all are looking to be influenced. I'm going to give you some stats here in a few minutes, but let me tell you this story first of all. I'm the oldest of six boys in, in my family. I'm the oldest of six boys. I was 13 years old and uh, my we have boys we have one sister. she was the oldest of all of us. Uh, she was 14 years old, I was 13. In uh, September of 1987, I was 13 years old. She was 14. In September of 1987, um, she'd had some back pain, and we'd taken her to a chiropractor, and uh, they'd recommended some exercises and things, but they didn't know what was going on. They did some CAT scans and didn't turn up anything. But in September of 87, she lost the ability to walk and to feel from her chest down. And so my parents gathered her up, got her in the car, took her, rushed her to, the, to Albany uh, and, uh, to the emergency room, and uh, they did an emergency MRI. This was, it was a new technology at this time, but it was uh, beginning to be used uh, quite a bit. And uh, so they did an MRI scan, and they found a tumor uh, in, the, in the center of her back between her shoulder blades right on, on her spinal column. And that tumor was putting pressure on the spine, they determined, and it cut off the nerve signals to the rest of her body. They said, we've got to get into surgery right away. We've got to get this pressure off the spinal column and relieve that pressure. So they rushed her into surgery, did an emergency surgery, got as much as they could. However, they couldn't get all of the tumor. They, uh, they, but the surgery, in their mind, was successful so long as it didn't continue to grow. Uh, in October, she was in the hospital for, for a number of weeks in October, she was able to leave the hospital, come home, and uh, I remember specifically it was October because on October 15th, it was the, I believe it's the the week and after she got home, we had uh, 15 inches of snow uh, in New York, and the leaves had not all fallen yet, and so leaves still on the trees with 15 inches of snow is not a good combination. There was trees coming down everywhere. It was a Saturday night when it started, Sunday morning. Uh, we did what we always do. My dad, <laughs> my dad's a true northerner. Um, but we, we got in the car, and all of us, Susanna included, and uh, drove to church uh, down about a half a mile down the road from our house. There was a tree a huge oak tree that was up on this little hillside, but it had fallen across the road and was on the lines on the other side of the road, but there was enough room to drive under. So my dad <laughs> drove under and there was trees coming down, branches coming down. Literally, you could hear the, the, the mountain behind us that we owned 12 acres on it for, um, we we're building a house there and we we're renting the house at the bottom of the hill during that time. And the mountain behind us, we could hear when we walked out of the house that morning. Limbs breaking, trees falling—it was just incredible. I I remember specifically October fifteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. And Susanna had just come home from the hospital, and uh, we went to church that morning. Few people showed up. We didn't have power at the church. We met in the little Sunday school classroom. Had a little portable heater in there, Uh, and it it it, was—it was very easily remembered. Okay, in my mind. Uh, in November of uh, just a, a month later, she had a follow-up visit on her back, and the doctors determined that the tumor was growing again, and that because of the kind of tumor it was, it needed to be a surgery uh, more invasive. The, the, the tumor was actually on the, the, the front side of the spinal column, not the back side. So, the last surgery, they went through the back and got as much as they could, but because it was actually on the front of the spinal column inside the chest cavity, they couldn't get to all of the tumor. So this was going to be a more invasive surgery. They were going to have to open her up from the front and move everything to get to the back. They would have to cut part of the vertebrae out, do a bone graft from her, from her hip, uh, and then do a skin graft to cover it all up. It was going to be very invasive and, and a long surgery, about 14 hours. November... I'm 87, she went into that surgery, and I remember vividly, uh, very vividly. I know, I, th- I know the the couch I was sitting on that night when my parents came home, and uh, we were. My grandmother was watching us. My my mom's mother, Grandma Hamilton, and uh, <laughs> we probably wouldn't have been watching it if my parents were home. But because it was Grandma, we were watching Circus of the Stars. And uh, I remember very vividly when Mom and Dad walked in the door, uh, they walked in very calm, uh, but it was obvious that that this was serious. And they came in, Dad turned the television off. We were sitting on the couch already. He pulled up a chair, and he said, I wanted to just tell you all what what happened tonight. And they told us that Susanna had gone to heaven. Now, I don't... uh, It's very vivid in my mind, that that moment. Um, but as a 13-year-old boy, I didn't know how to feel. I mean, do I, you know, I wanted to be mad. I wanted to be angry. I, I, I wanted answers. I mean, we, you know, we asked, Dad asked, do, do you have any questions? <laughs> we asked, well, how, how could this happen? And I, I, mean, I wanted to be angry. I wanted to be mad. I wanted to be mad at God. And so I, I for the next number of months, in, in, in my ingrained in my memory, I watched my parents very closely, watching for an opportunity to be angry, watching for an opportunity to be mad, watching for an opportunity to be, to be upset and, and frustrated, and, and had I seen any reason, any, had my parents shown any anger towards God, I'd have been all over it. And I would have jumped at the opportunity to be angry at God. But not one time did I see it. Amen. Not once. Now, uh, now, again, today, I called my mom this morning. And uh, I said, Mom, I said, tell me. Kind of relive the, the those, those those moments from the time that the doctor came to you and, and told you what had happened. You know what what was going on. Why, why did I never see you angry? Now she had never told me this before. Till this this morning, she said, uh, "When Dad got in the car, uh, she said he said, Pat, I don't want I don't want the boys to be bitter.'" I've never heard, I've never heard them say that, or share that. But she replied to my dad, "Well, they won't be if we aren't." <laughs> she understood the power of influence, and she understood our desire as children, our desire to be influenced. I wanted to be influenced to feel emotion in some way. And had either one of them questioned God verbally out where I could have sensed it, I would have jumped all over it and I would have gone to the extreme in questioning God and being angry about it. But not one time did I hear it. I'll tell you what I did hear. Here's what I heard. Uh, my dad had picked up Susanna's Bible and was uh, reading from her Bible, studying from her Bible for a number of months, after after she passed away and uh, he found in her bible where she had written down her life verse uh her life verse for a period of time was was in proverbs chapter three and but she had crossed it out and then she had just recently just I mean, in the months before she passed away she had changed it to uh second corinthians four seven through nine but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. And she had crossed out her verses in Proverbs and wrote out these verses as her life verses. Well, in all of this, the funeral and everything, the funeral home had given us a calendar, like every funeral home did at the time. Not so much anymore, because you've got your calendars on your on your phone now. Uh, but uh, but it, it was common for funeral homes to give you calendars, and so for the next year we had this calendar from the funeral home for 1988, and uh, every day on the calendar had a Bible verse, and and you, know, you could throughout the year reference the Bible verse for the day, and uh, so in browsing through the calendar, we had put it up on the wall months later, and uh, mom was looking through the calendar, and sure enough, there there's her verses, Second Corinthians. Uh, Chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. And uh, my brother Luke said, Mom, look at what day that is. February 12th. Her birthday was these verses. The the, the funeral home had no idea of this. Okay, But this was an opportunity for Mom and Dad to say, See what God did. What else did I hear? I heard my dad talk about oftentimes the number of people that, got saved nurses doctors anesthesian uh, a neurologist uh, different people that were affected by her life for the good some of them saved uh, but but the influence that my dad had through the years after with these people that's what I heard about I heard my dad somewhat disappointed that uh, or he expressed you know, uh, this Susanna, his only daughter, she, at some point she was going to get married. And he said, you know, I was kind of anticipating that day, and but now she's gone. I'm kind of disappointed that, I mean, nobody was going to be good enough for her. Okay. But he said, you know what? I guess the only experience in marriage that she'll have is being married to Jesus. <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> I heard, uh, We were building our house, and uh, we'd not. We, my dad was looking forward to, the the day where he could give her her own room. She had grown up in family one, the oldest girl with six boys. Okay, the youngest actually who hadn't come yet, but five boys. uh, But she had never had her own room. She'd always had to share her room with with a little brother, a baby brother. Now. Uh, my dad was so excited about being able to give her her own room. We're building our house, and so he's going to be able to give her her own room. She's going to be able to decorate it, and now she's not going to get to experience that. And when he was feeling down about that, he said, The Lord reminded me that what kind of a room could I give her compared to the mansion that he's prepared for her? Now, that's the kind of thing that I heard out of them. Now, do you want to know what shaped my thinking about God? My parents. You wanna know what shaped my thinking about life and about is God good or not? My parents, and their response to tragedy. You wanna know shape my you know what shaped my thinking about tithing? My parents? You wanna know what shaped my thinking about authority? I, I won't take time to tell you, but I, I had a, a doozy of a teacher. Okay, um, I, 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 it was somehow I was her project. Okay, and she had to fix me, and, and I, it, it really it's horror stories. Okay, I, I was a good kid. I was not a bad kid. <laughs> Okay? Uh, but I was her project somehow. And we had kids at the school that were, that were like filthy mouthed, but I was her project. Okay? We had kids at the school that were, a Christian school, okay? Not a public school, Christian school. Kids at the school that, that never went to church, but I was her project. <laughs> now, never one time, not one time, did I ever see my parents express frustration. For this overboard teacher, not once, not one time did they ever, seemingly to me, imply that I was being treated unjustly, or that was, you know, that, that she shouldn't be doing this. So, you want to know what shaped my thinking about authority? My parents—they they were influencers. Now. I don't know if you understand or not what I'm trying to get at. The the power that you have to influence and the scope of that power is 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 incredible. You say, Well, I'm not I'm just I, I'm not much. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself, okay? Somebody's watching you and somebody's learning from you. Especially as a parent, especially as a teacher, especially as any, any, whatever authority you might have, okay? People are learning from you. Let me give you a couple Bible examples of it before I give you the stats. Uh, Cain, for example, in Genesis chapter 4. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, you can turn there if you like. Um, Genesis chapter 4 and... Uh, I'm going to have to get out my my goggles here. Genesis chapter 4 and, and verse number 4. And Abel, he also... I'm, I'm sorry, look at verse number 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So he didn't do what he was told, but he brought the best probably that he had, Okay. Abel also brought up the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. So Cain got upset, his countenance fell. Uh, why? Because God was disappointed with his offering, but was pleased with Abel's. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the, at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Why? Why? Well, if you think about it, um, and you look back a little bit further, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and when Adam sinned, and Eve, of course, but Adam primarily because God spoke to him directly, thou should not eat of this tree. Okay? And, uh, but, but Adam and Eve sinned. God, uh, the first evidence of that was they didn't want to be seen by God. They they were, they were, uh, you know, they realized they were naked. They they tried to cover themselves. They tried to hide from God. They didn't, their relationship with God was broken. When God finally confronted him and said, hey, what did you do? Well, the first thing that Adam did, it was the woman thou gavest me. He tried to pawn the blame off on somebody else. Now, When God corrected that and told him, hey, no, you're responsible here, okay, and you're going to be punished, and this is the punishment, guess what? That attitude, that tendency to look to somebody else as the cause didn't leave him. That was not the end of it, okay? And Cain, when he was, when when God was displeased with Cain's offering, Cain's, view of how to handle that had he would learned that from somewhere how do i handle that i get rid of the the one that i think has offended me i can it, 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 god's not pleased with mine because of abel it's somebody else's fault so i believe cain's in, cain was influenced yes in a sinful nature but directly by his parents how to you know how to react when this here's a troubling time in his life? How, how do I act? Well, I, it's somebody else's fault. So if I can get rid of somebody else, then it, then maybe I'll, I can be successful. Well, he learned that from somewhere. What about Isaac? This, I love this thing. This, this story is incredible. Genesis 22. You don't turn there. I'll just tell it to you. Uh, God told Abraham, "Take thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest." God knew the relationship they had. Okay. Abraham, now grandfather age, with a with a son, and and uh, loves his son. this is the promised seed. This is the one that God's going to make a great nation from. And God told him, "Take thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, up to the place that I'll tell you. I'll tell you where, and sacrifice him." Now, oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute, God. You, you, you remember, you told me that you were going to make a great nation of him. He's not even married yet. How's that going to happen? Somewhere in the night, the Bible says, the next early the next morning, Abraham got up, gathered Isaac and the things that they would need for the sacrifice and some servants, and they loaded him up and they headed to the place that God directed him. So somewhere in the night, Abraham had resolved in his mind that God was able to, To still accomplish. What he had promised he would do. Even if. He required me to sacrifice Isaac. Even if I take. That sacrifice blade. And plunge it into my own son. And take his life. Somehow. God is going to raise him up. And be able to do what he promised he would do. Abraham resolved somewhere in the night. He had resolved. God can do this. Now. Here's the incredible part. The next day, now, Isaac, you have to understand, Abraham is like 100 years old. Isaac, a young, young man, okay? Probably in young teens, all right? You know, he could probably resist to a degree, but not one shred of... You look, read, read the story, Genesis 22. The Bible records no resistance from Isaac. What happened? Isaac was influenced by his dad and Abraham's belief that God can do what he said he was going to do it that that trust that God can accomplish this Isaac just went along and said okay hands tied together laid on the uh, laid on the altar watched probably as I don't know if if it was I, I don't know if he would have if Abraham would have had him looking at him he probably would have had him turn around the other way i don't know but i can imagine isaac knew what was happening he knew exactly what was happening and neither one had any uh inclination that god was going to stop him from it they just thought that god was going to come through in some way on his promise now where did that come from well Abraham influenced Isaac how about Ruth here's somebody that here's a, here's a, a, a Ruth is is uh, Naomi rather is backslidden you know away from the Lord away from God's blessing away her and her family had gone into a far country uh, to escape the the famine and in they didn't intend to stay there real long, but you always stay longer in sin than you intend to. And uh, ended up, her sons ended up marrying two uh, daughters of the land there and, and getting married. Then husband passed away. Two, both sons passed away. Now she has two daughter-in-laws living with her. Finally, she says, okay, I'm going back. I've, I've got to go back home. She said, this is, life is miserable. Now, here's somebody that, that didn't deserve influence. Yet when she said to her daughters-in-law, hey, go home go home, you stay here, I, don't, don't, don't follow me, I'm going back where I belong. Uh, one of them, Orpah said, okay, I'm, I'll stay. Ruth said, no, entreat me not to leave thee. He said, where you go, I want to go, Where you, uh, th- th- your God will be my God, your people, my people. She said, what was she saying? She was saying, I want your influence. Even though she was bitter and, and sour and didn't want to influence people. Yeah, Ruth recognized, I think Ruth probably had heard stories about the God of Israel and the children of Israel. And she wanted her influence, even though the influence of Naomi probably wasn't real good at that moment, right? Let me put this in practical light, okay? This, i had not intended on going this direction at all, but you can't help but when you talk about influence what is the world called the, the the people on social media influencers have you heard that term social media influencers do we understand what we've actually put in our kids hands when we've given them a phone not kid teenagers i'm not i don't know It's between you and your parents, okay? And I don't want to help your parents, uh, but do we understand what we've given you access to? Uh, What is an influencer? This is the world's terminology in the world's definition okay the power an influencer is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of his or her authority knowledge position or relationship with his or her audience a following in a distinct niche with whom he or she actively engages the size of following depends on the size of his or her topic of the niche all right so uh, you know, the world, this is a big thing to the world. There's a, this is a big money. If you become an, inf- you know how many millions of dollars people are making on being a social media influencer? Do you understand the power of influence? <laughs> Let me just give you a few stats, okay? Uh, YouTube, this is only one, we're only talking about one social media site, YouTube. YouTube is the second most visited website in the world, in the world, has over 2.3 billion monthly active users. So that may not be you, okay, but 2.3 billion active users monthly. YouTube has uh, 122 million daily active users. In other words, 122 million people that get on it every day, seven days a week. Uh, there, are over, there, there are more than 37 million YouTube channels. Like you can subscribe, subscribe to a channel and you get a notification about whenever, whenever they post. You know, okay, our, our services here, for example. And I want you to subscribe to our channel, okay? Uh, Like and subscribe. (laughs) And and hit the little bell so that when we go live, you know, you get that notification. All right? I want to be an influencer. Uh, But 37 million YouTube channels, like you can subscribe to 37 million different channels and get a notification every time they post something or every time they go live. Why? How is that possible? Because everybody wants to be influenced, and everybody influences. Over seventy percent of what people watch this, this blew my mind. Over seventy percent of what people watched is based on YouTube's algorithm. In other words, YouTube the, the, the channel you know the, the, the website determines what you should or shouldn't watch and suggest if you're familiar at all with youtube you know that you get done watching a video and there's a there's a, a trove of of suggested videos well that's based on your viewing history and their algorithms so whatever they want you to watch they'll put they'll post suggest they'll suggest videos for you to watch so youtube gets to determine who influences you ultimately Listen to this. You say, okay, that's pretty incredible. All right, listen to this. Three quarters, 75% of U.S. teenagers and adults, 15 years old and up, 75% of U.S. teenagers and adults from 15 years old and up are YouTube viewers. YouTube users. Now, that's pretty incredible. But how about this? Um, 80% of U.S. parents confess that their kids 11 and under watch YouTube. And remember, YouTube gets to determine who influences them for the most part. Now, you, you could change that to a degree. If you go and you search for something specific, you're looking for you know a sermon from Pastor Shook on this date, you can get to that. But after that, YouTube gets to determine who influences you. Of those 80% of parents, of 80% of parents, roughly half of them say that their child does this on a daily basis. On a daily basis, half of the 80% of U.S. parents said that their kids watch youtube on a daily basis now i'm not saying necessarily that you shouldn't do that okay i have my own personal feelings about that i'm just saying your kids are being influenced by somebody by somebody and and when god brings something in their life that Now then, they're looking for the answer as to how do I act? How do I feel? How do I think? How does God come into this? Well, who who influenced them? How are they going to feel about that? How are they going to feel when when a tragedy comes into their life? Well, they're going to feel however their influencer taught them, however they showed them. Here's another thought. Uh, 70% of viewers, this is kind of just a side thought, 70% of YouTube viewers bought a brand that they saw on YouTube. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Are you one of them? Have you ever bought something that you saw advertised on YouTube? Uh, look, my, my view on life, in life, my view of God, my, 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 my worldview, so to speak, how I feel about life in general, Authority, everything in life, authority, uh, money management, um, relationships, how I feel about my wife, how I feel about my children—all of that is going to is affected by who influenced me. Now, you've heard the statement that that you know hurt people hurt people, right? That, that's like the real life, you know, that's that's real happening of who influenced them. It, it, it it's their the culmination of, of what they went through in life and the experiences of their life and who influenced them that comes out later in their life. I'm not justifying any of it. I'm just saying that what an opportunity that, that I have as a parent, that I have as a, a youth pastor, that I have as as an adult to influence. In in we are responsible for what these young'uns in this room right here, we are responsible for their outlook on life. Their, Their feelings towards God is directly related to the things that I say about God. My feelings towards God. Now, I am an influencer. You are an influencer, like it or not. Whether you feel like you should be, whether you feel ready for it or qualified for it, you are. So, what's the answer? Well, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. I ought to go to this book of wisdom, and beg the writer of this book to give me something that I can be a, that I can teach those that I have influence over. Now. Our kids are going to be, they're going to live their life according to what they've seen. And their view of God is going to be influenced, it's the word, uh, by what they've seen in me and what they've seen in you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for loving us.